there's a lot more to life than that than just like not getting sick and life is a lot more than just not dying like there's got to be something more to that hello and welcome to the method makers podcast by method supply intentional conversations with incredible humans sharing their daily method today kaipo talks with spencer cowan spencer is an advocate for flourishing in all aspects of the human condition in this podcast, he shares his viewpoints on how to get the most out of life. Hope you enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Method Makers podcast. I'm your host, Kaipo Sotelo, and I'm here today with my good friend, Spencer Cowan. What's up, Spencer? Hey, man. How's it going? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Spencer is a friend that I've really... I've. I guess I've known him for about two years, but I really got to know him in this last year when we became a part of the same physical therapy class after my year off. Spencer is a very, very driven guy, and he's a person that's pretty well-liked in general. He's just very steady. He's a very steady presence. And what I appreciate about Spencer is that he's not only driven to get what he wants done, but he also wants to see other people, I guess, flourish, which is a big word for Spencer. So... Spencer, can you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself in your own words? That's generous, first of all. Thanks. <laughs> people describe you. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. Since being down here, kind of the way I thought about myself is uh, just a hillbilly from Kentucky who got stuck in South Carolina. But um, I'm so like I said, I'm originally from Kentucky, grew up there. Um, my mom's family has been there as long as anybody can remember farming, raising tobacco, um, coal miners, things like that. My dad's family moved there uh, for my grandpa's job, and so then my parents met in Kentucky, and I lived there, grew up there, um, went to small high school in central Kentucky, um, looked at going out of state for college, ended up staying and going uh, to the University of Kentucky for my undergraduate, um, almost dropped out of undergraduate, owned a landscaping company for a while, um, considered doing that full-time. Um, so then a couple things changed. I'm sure we'll get into that. Decided to kind of go the physical therapy route. Um, so I started applying to physical therapy programs. Um, knew that I didn't like winter. So I started looking kind of south and east of Kentucky, going somewhere a little bit warmer. Saw that really didn't know much about the program at MUSC before I applied there, but uh, got accepted, came down to check it out and fell in love. And so I've been down in Charleston for the last little over two years, I guess. Um, Spencer, now that we know a little bit about you, let's go ahead and jump in, right? Yeah, let's do it. Question number one, really easy one. Ask us with everyone. But when you were younger, think back to when you were 10 years old, 12 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? So I had an uncle who was in the Marine Corps growing up. Um, well, he wasn't, he, he, I'd heard about him being in the Marine Corps and somehow that just stuck in my mind. And so when I was little, I was convinced that I was going to be a Marine or in the military in some capacity. And so I started, that's what I wanted to do. And I don't know why, but it just got stuck in my head and stayed there. And so I started kind of looking at like, well, what's the, like, what's the hardest way to do that? Or what's like the best, best way that I could possibly be that. And didn't know anybody who had gone to the Naval Academy, but um, heard about it, read about it, something like that, and was like, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to go to the Naval Academy. So I started, again, I didn't know anything about it, but I think I just started looking it up, and I was like, well, what do you have to do to get into the Naval Academy? I was like, oh, we well, got to get good grades. Like, cool, I can do that. So 
you know, kind of worked hard in school and did that thing. And then I was like, oh, well, you got to be pretty fit. You have to, you have to work out and stuff like that. And so I'd never done a pull-up, but I asked for a pull-up bar for Christmas. Pull-up bar comes in for Christmas, hanging on the door downstairs, get down there and I can't do a pull-up. So I went down there and I did a pull-up. I tried to do a pull-up. I tried to do a pull-up. I did that every day and could do, until I could do one pull-up and then until I could do 10, until I could do 20, you know, whatever. And so it was like, oh, you have to be able to do these things. Um, and so started doing all those things, you know, running, working out, grades, extracurricular stuff. And um, got to a, the Naval Academy has this like summer seminar thing where you get to go experience it for a week. So I went up there. They had like 800 kids there and they basically rank you and I ranked like sixth or something like that. Like I got some, I mean, some meaningless award, but like, it's like, Oh, like this is really cool. Got accepted to the Naval Academy and then just ended up not going. Just had this gut feeling at the end, like right as I was getting ready to finish out my application and all that, that I was like, man, I don't, I don't think this is for me. So I don't know. I always thought I would be like in the military doing something like that. Had this like idea of service or, things like that. And then that's, uh, that's just not how it ended up happening. So what was so attractive about the military lifestyle? I don't know, man. I think it, I think the idea of, of sacrificing, of serving, of like being involved in something bigger than yourself and helping other people. Um, I think part of it just got tied up into my view of like, like I had these people that I looked up to growing up, like my uncle, other people that I knew that had served in the military. Um, and I don't know, I can think I kind of got tied into like my view of what it meant to, to be a man or to be successful or do things like that. And I stuck with it for, for a long time. And uh, I think as I got older, like I realized like, Oh, there's other things that I'm interested in. There's other things that I would be good at. Um, and there's more than one way to serve, right? Like, like there's more than one way to help people. Um, and that, that may be absolutely like, you know, people in the military are, are vital and are important and are protecting our country and serving people. But I realized like, Oh, there's other ways to do that same thing. And so I guess transitioning into that whole thing of service away from the military, strictly military background, carrying that theme into your day right now, what, what characteristics of that service-minded heart do you do now that is worth sharing with the world? So I'll kind of take you on the journey of how I, I got there. I I decided to go to UK instead, started studying exercise science because I was like, oh, I like to exercise. This is cool. Got like a semester in and was like, no, like I want to be a youth pastor. Like I, I want to be a pastor, like, because I want to help people. And what like what better way to help people other than being a pastor? Changed my major, was a communications major for two semesters um, and just was like, this is dumb. Um, I don't, you know, I don't enjoy this, but like, I'm not enjoying the school. So I had, I had started a landscaping company, I almost dropped out. Um, but then I was like, you know what? Like I have a scholarship, like I just need to finish my degree. If I want to be a landscaper, a pastor, like what path could take me to all of those things? Like since undergrad paid for. So I was like, if I have a, if I have some sort of like science degree, like if I want to go into that physical therapy, uh, practice type thing, I have to have these things, you know, if I'm, if I want to be youth pastor, like I can do that with a exercise science degree. If I want to be a landscaper. I can do that with whatever. Um, 
so I switched back to back to kinesiology was my major. Um, started working in a gym and in a PT clinic, and I just started seeing I started seeing these people come into the PT clinic and they would say, you know, oh, I have knee pain, and I'd be like, yeah, you have knee pain, but you know, you're you're five feet tall, you weigh four hundred pounds, you're sucking down a Mountain Dew, like you're on welfare, your parents were on welfare, you know, you have track marks on your arm, you know. And then, you know, when you're sitting there doing exercises and you started crying and telling me about your broken marriage or, or, you know, whatever, like I just, I started realizing, like I was really interested in exercise and how that changed people's lives at that point. And then I started to realize like, man, people are so much more than one dimensional. People are emotional and spiritual and physical. And, um, you know, they have all these, these aspects going on and not only like, like, yes, you need to treat all of those, but how ideal would it be if in some capacity you, you could treat, treat them all like in the same location or in, in one system and not that one person can manage that. Um, but you know, and I don't think one person can manage that. Like if you're an expert on physical stuff, like that's awesome. It's probably a lot to ask one person to also be an expert in nutrition or in counseling or, or something like that. So I kind of got, I got really interested in in this idea of holistic health and like, what is, what makes up a person and at what intersection of like all their parts of being, are they living their best life? Are they actually healthy? Um, you know, and health kind of gets defined as this like absence of disease. And I'm, but I'm thinking like, what is the positive in that situation? Like how, well, how do you not just avoid that negative of not getting sick? There's a lot more to life than that than just like not getting sick. And life is a lot more than just not dying. There's got to be something more to that. So that's kind of my interest. And in, uh, it's a long tangent, but that's, that's where I want to go is I want to, to work in that sort of capacity. And so right now, like I'm at this kind of interesting phase where I'm still a student, I'm still learning. Um, and hopefully I'll still be a student for my whole life, but right now I'm not like practicing physical therapy. Um, but I think it starts with me, right? Like I can't, like, if that's attainable, if I want that to be attainable for other people, like it also has to be attainable for me. So in some ways, like the things that I'm learning are, you know, in school in physical therapy school or the things that I'm reading and things like that are important, but like, I also think some of the most important work that I'm doing is like the work that I do for myself. So the, the way that I keep myself centered, you know, how I keep myself physically fit and emotionally healthy and, you know, spiritually grounded and things like that. I think it's really cool to see that what you're seeking seems to be a balance of these pillars that you're talking about, this physical health, this emotional health, this spiritual health, and this mental health. And these things that you find almost of equal importance and not mutually exclusive. It feels like those are the things that you really care about and that's what makes up a healthy human being. You can't choose one and forsake the other. And more than mutually exclusive, like they're interdependent, right? Like mm. like I've got a buddy and we joke that like if you're over the age of 35 and you have a six pack, like how's your marriage doing? Like when was the last time? <laughs> you know, like and that's a joke. Like, I mean, but if you're only focusing, like if I'm in the gym all day long, if I'm shredded and super physically healthy, but like my marriage is a wreck or um, I'm depressed and I like really hate my life or, you know, I just lost my, you know, like if, if those other things are falling apart, like, am I actually healthy? And so it's more than just that they're, I think they're interdependent. And I think if you isolate on one, you may actually be doing somebody a disservice. Well, Spencer, how do you find that balance in your own life? 
Yeah. So that's the tough thing, right? So I think I was, I was thinking about this and I was thinking about my journey and how, like when I was a kid, I was so focused on um, this idea of going to the Naval Academy of serving and things like that. And I just had no, I was so driven to that, to that one goal. And I think that's like developmentally appropriate and like maybe even admirable. Like that's, that's awesome that at a young age, I was like, oh, this is what I want. I'm going to work hard for it. Um, but I also think my perspective has shifted to like, it's healthy now that I'm able to like evaluate myself and pursue things that are a better match for me. So I was reading through, um, I believe Angela Duxworth did the the study on grit. So she was looking actually at students in the military academy at West Point. Um, and she was like, what, you know, these students are all so high achieving, but like what keeps them from dropping out? So she came up with this grit score. And then that kind of got tossed around and by a bunch of researchers and stuff like that. And people started using it to, you know, assess people for jobs and things like that. And, but the, the thing is that those, those cadets that come out of West Point are more likely than any other officer in the military to drop out after their first term in, in service. Like, so it's, it's this idea of like, for me that um, being, you know, perseverance is important. Being driven is important. Um, and I don't think I don't think I'm any less driven than I was when I had this this singular focus of I'm going to get into the Naval Academy and I'm going to be a Marine or something like that. Um, but I think what what I've shifted towards is this more this idea of being um, like more of centered adaptation. So, like if I'm only focused on one thing, if I'm so honed in and that's all I can focus on then I'm blind to everything else, right? Like I'm too focused in. But if I'm just changing at every opportunity that comes um, comes down the road, you know, then I'm then I'm just wishy-washy. Like I'm just, now I'm just floating. I'm not anchored in any way. And so that pendulum can sl- swing either way. But in the middle, like to me and for my personal life is this idea of like centered adaptation. So that's having routines, like having exercise routines and spiritual practices and, um, core beliefs that I hold, but also being able to stay grounded in those things and, and pivot and adapt to different changes and circumstances as they come. There's, there's value in this idea of psychological flexibility and being able to think outside the box. And I think a lot of the people that we mutually kind of admire are these creative thinkers that, you know, innovate and that when they're put in a tough position, they're able to um, find a creative solution and things like that. And I think in whether it's a specific situation or even like your career path, I think there's benefit in being um, an adaptable person. But like I said, not shifting to that extreme of every time something challenging comes along, I just adapt. I think people that are truly successful are obviously hard workers. Like when you look at somebody who's truly elite at something, they knew when to work, but they also knew when not to work. Like when something was not a good match for them and when they needed to reevaluate and change up their way of thinking or come at the the challenge from a different perspective. I definitely can see that. I, I never thought of it that way, but knowing what battles to fight, I guess I now based on your perspective, can see that quote of choose your battles right. Because, I mean, there's no sense in being brave when you're outmatched or anything like that. I think that's just stupidity. Thank you for that. 
I guess the next thing would be this whole idea of centered adaptation, living your life with this balance, with this idea that there are so many factors into what makes a healthy human being. What makes that whole idea and the way you live your life worthwhile? I think it's because like that's what people need and that's what people really, really want. Like deep down, people want to be happy. Like I don't think there's people out there who really deep down want to be miserable. Um, and I think there, but I do think there are so many people out there that don't have hope or a conception of, of how can my life get any better than this? Um, and I think I, I kind of knew that growing up. I mean, my mom was raised, um, in a really poor part of Eastern Kentucky. Um, but one of the things I picked up from her and from her family growing up was that poverty is a mindset. So, I mean, she grew up really, really poor, but she was held to a high standard. She held herself to a high standard. I want to be a part of a system that helps people to flourish. And I'm, we'll get into that. But like so many people are just going day to day. And if they do seek help, like, so let's talk you know, about that person who came in and said, my knees hurt. Like they just, my perception of them was they were like, just help me modify my existence to make it less worse. Mm. And like, what if there was an option out there to do more than just modify your existence? Like, what if it was not like just living, but helping people to live well and more than that to flourish? Um, I mean, and there's like, there's a difference. Like think about a plant. There's a difference between a, a plant that is growing or a plant that is not dying and a plant that is flourishing or, you know, producing fruit producing flowers and stuff like that. And like the ways that I've been blessed and privileged with education and resources and family and people that love me using those things to help people make that change from surviving or living or just not dying or not getting worse to actually flourishing. Like I think that's why it's worthwhile. The plant thing probably was the best analogy for, for how, in my head, your brain works is to take care of something, to plan it, to water it every day. It's your relationships that you make with our classmates. It's your business ideas that you're growing with your friends from back home in Kentucky. I really do admire that, that you're not just trying to help people exist, but to help them flourish, to help them live and to be happy and attack their limitations individually and as a collective. And I think that's amazing. So can you go just maybe a little bit more into your idea of flourishing and how that sort of looks like in a person's life? I think it is, it's, it's not just about the individual growth of one of those domains of their physical health or their mental health or their emotional health, but it's about the balance and the interaction between those things. And then at some level, the independence and maintaining those things, right? So that's the next step. So, you know, talk about the flowers, the flower or the, the plant, whatever experiences a lot of different, a lot of different environments. Maybe it's raining one day, maybe it's shady the next, maybe it's really sunny. There's a lot going on. Um, but eventually like that plant has to flourish on its own. That may not be the best example, but like it, if I'm thinking about the way that I help people like, yeah, I can, I can show somebody, that person who came into my clinic and said, you know, I, man, my knees really hurt. And I was like, oh, there's all these other things going on. I can show them how to make their knees not hurt. 
pretty quickly. Like I'm fairly confident. Like let's think about that person. Like you or I both like can think like, oh man, what exercises without even seeing that person, what kind of exercises would we want to do? And pretty confidently six weeks, we can get your knees to not hurt. But then we think about like compliance. Like how long do you think that person is going to do those exercises and keep their knees not hurting? Um, and then also like if I have just helped their knee pain, have I actually like made them any healthier as a person? So it's, it's this process like flourishing in my mind is the embodiment of this whole process of growth. So part of flourishing is being erect, right? Like it's, it's realizing like, man, I've got these issues. Like I've got these areas that I need to grow. And then it's addressing them. And I think if you're human, which we are, like you need help to do that. So then it's, it's addressing that knee pain. It's addressing, you know, the way your family was growing up. It's addressing, you know, whatever trauma you have in your story, something like that. And then that last level is like independence and maintenance. So if I, if I help that person's knees to not hurt, but then they come back and see me every six months, have I actually helped them even in just that domain to flourish? Like, no, but if I treat them and get them out of pain and then help change their life in such a way that they can maintain that, now, at least in that level, I think that person is flourishing. That's an amazing perspective. It's a very intelligent perspective, intuitive, but not everyone would think about that in that way. A lot of people see treatment as just treatment. I am here for my knee. I'm here to make my pain go away. But to treat the person as a whole, to help them get the most out of their life, I think that's just something I've learned from you. And I'm trying to implement in my own in my own life as much as I can. So thank you for that, Spencer. Yeah. Um, so last question for you. We've talked through a lot and you've shared some amazing bits of wisdom. I guess the last question for you would be, would your little you, that one that wanted to be in the military, the one that wanted to go to the Naval Academy, would he be proud of the way you live your life today? That's tough, man. I think... <laughs> I think young me would be really confused by current me. Like, man, what's going on? Why did you, why'd you give up on the Naval Academy? Like, why did you do that? Um, so I think maybe confused. Um, but I think if young me got to sit down and get to know current me, I, at least I hope there's things that like young me would admire there and see like, man, it's different than I ever thought it was going to be. But man, that growth is good. And, and like different is not bad. It is, it is good. And there are beautiful things happening and there are even more exciting things that I can't even imagine where they're going to go. That's, I mean, it's awesome. That's exciting. And so I don't know, I think if, if young me met current me, I think probably confused, interested, and then maybe we could reach admire if I had long enough. Spencer, thank you so much for coming on. We learned a bunch from you and we really appreciate you being here with us and kind of sharing your perspective on things and showing us how you flourish in your life. Do you have anything else to say before we go? No, man. Thanks for having me on and uh, just best of luck. I hope this takes off and I just hope, hope this is a method that more people can get, just get inspired by the idea of like, oh, maybe I'm not flourishing. Like, what would it look like for me to flourish? What do I need to do good there? That was Method Maker Spencer Cowan sharing his perspective on how to live a flourishing life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Method Makers podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite streaming service. 
That's all for now. But as always, we challenge you to find, live, and share your method today. See you next time.